0: The Gospel of John, chapter number two, if you'll go with me in your Bible. The Gospel of John, chapter two, and verse number seven. I'm just going to read one verse. We're going to read a few more verses throughout our message today, but I've read this, and you've heard me preach out of this passage before. But I've felt a very strong nudge of late to help us define and redefine what our service to God is. We started on Thursday, this past Thursday, in our bilingual Bible study, outlining some aspects. And in that same vein, in that same feeling, I was reading this passage and the Holy Ghost spoke to me. This is what it says, John chapter 2, verse number 7. Jesus said to them, Fill the water pots with water. And they filled them up to the brim. Somebody say up to the brim. brim. And they filled them up to the brim. I want to preach to you for a few moments from the subject, Believers up to the brim. Believers up to the brim. In the Gospel of John, chapter 2, specifically verses 1 through 11, we have recorded here the very first miracle in the earthly ministry of Jesus. It was a wedding in Cana of Galilee where Jesus turned water into wine. While at this wedding, a need had developed. All the preparations had been made as is customary for a planning of an event like this. The guests had already arrived. But the Bible says there was nothing to drink. They had no wine. But the comforting fact was that someone had already decided to invite Jesus to the wedding. Can I just tell you that the presence of Jesus has the power to change any situation? I'll say that again, the presence of Jesus has the power to change any situation. His presence is what makes the difference in our lives. No matter what you are facing today, if you invite Jesus into your dilemma, everything will change. I don't know what is stacked against you. I don't know what the enemy has been throwing at you. I don't know the challenges that you're facing here today. But if you include Jesus into that difficulty, he has the power to turn everything around. Are there any witnesses in the building that Jesus stepped into your life? He stepped into your home. He stepped into your circumstance and everything changed. Can I tell you that given the opportunity... Jesus can work a miracle. It's as simple as that. If Jesus is given an opportunity, he can unleash the miraculous and You're in my life. And I feel like there's somebody here today that simply needs to give Jesus an opportunity. You've tried everything else. You've gone everywhere else. You asked for everybody else's advice and input. Why don't you give Jesus an opportunity to step into your family, to step into your marriage, to step into your financial situation, to step into that dilemma that you're facing. And if you give him an opportunity, he'll work a miracle in your life. There are many elements to this story. I understand that. There are several key figures. We can go in many different directions. That's the most powerful thing about the word. I had a professor that always said, the word is inexhaustible. In other words, it, you can take it in so many different di- directions. It can speak to so many different areas of your life. But even though there's so many elements and key figures, I want to call your attention today to a group who were personally involved in the working of the miracle. And it's the servants. Someone say the servants. And for the sake of our message today, I want to call them believers up to the brim. And I believe it's God's desire that we be a church, a body, a community full of believers who are filled up to the brim. So let's look today at three things that these servants in our text teach us so that we too can become believers up to the brim. The first thing that we find in this story, as it relates to the servants, their obligation was minimal. What do I mean by that? I never cease to be amazed at what God chooses to work with. All throughout the Bible, we have example of God using simple things to accomplish a great purpose. You can go as far back to the Old Testament and how God chose to use Moses' rod to part the Red Sea and to be directly connected to the 10 plagues that God unleashed on Egypt to confirm his role as Jehovah God in the Old Testament. We see God using the jawbone of a donkey. In the hands of Samson to overcome the Philistines and deliver God's people once again from the hand of their enemies. We see a sling and a stone in the hand of David to bring down the giant Goliath and ultimately take his place as a leader among God's people. It seems like God uses simple things to accomplish a great Purpose, And I'm here to tell somebody, or maybe just remind somebody that God doesn't need all this incredible things at his disposal, but he'll take whatever you have and work a miracle with it. He'll take simple things and simple people like this preacher here and, and do something great because God works great things through simple means. The resources were minimal. When they presented the need to Jesus. They said, Jesus, we're here at the wedding. Folks have traveled a long way. They're thirsty. We've got nothing to drink. Jesus draws their attention to some stone water pots. And then he had them fill them with water. You can't get more common and more ordinary than those stone water pots. So you mean to tell me that it was miracle working time? And Jesus decided to use some stone pots and water. I mean, this is the God of heaven. This is the God of the universe. This is the God that could call anything and use anything. And for this particular occasion, he decided to use these water pots. And so I asked myself the question, what was so important about these water pots? What made them so needful? In the eyes of Jesus, let me just sow this little word into your heart here this morning. What made these stone pots exceptional was that they were available. Oh, you missed it. You missed it. You missed it. Maybe you didn't have your coffee this morning. But I'll say it again. What made these stone water pots so exceptional was that they were available. I feel that word in my spirit you see God doesn't need great things but he does need available things God doesn't need the most gifted he doesn't need the most eloquent he doesn't need the perfect people he doesn't need the people that have it all together but what he does need is available people everything that God blesses everything that God uses everything that God takes and does the miraculous with came to him because it was available and I've come to tell somebody Jesus can do the same thing in your life and in your situation and through you but the key is availability I say it all the time many of us are here not because we're the most gifted not because we're the most qualified but many of us are here because we were simply available that has been and will forever be my prayer from when I was 14 years old and I prayed it for the first time till this very day Lord I'm available I remember telling the Lord, Lord, I can't speak like everybody else. Well, he said, well, pastor, how do you do that? It's because the anointing has touched my life. But I stuttered and I stammered and I was so nervous. I still get nervous. I'm nervous right now. But experience helps me to hide my nerves. That's all. I'm still nervous. I'm still shaking. And so how do you do that, preacher? Is the anointing of the Holy Ghost. But a long time ago, I came to this altar, this same altar, this one right here. And I said, Jesus, I'm available. I know there's smarter folks. I know there's more organized folks. I know there's folks that got it all together. I'm not one of them, Jesus, but I'm available. You can use me. You can take me. You can tell me what to do, and I'll do it. And guess what happened? By God's grace and by his plenteous mercy, I stand before you today. I'm just trying to help somebody that keeps hitting their head against the wall, can't advance and can't progress. It's based on availability. Oh, God, I just want to preach the fuzz off of that today. Because we seem to think that it's who I know and and who I'm connected to and where I am and where I've been. No, 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 no. It's based on are you available? That's That's the thing that we always come to a place here at PFAC when it comes to who can we entrust with ministry? Who can we entrust with leadership? Because we don't give anything to anybody here. We entrust it. I don't have nothing to give. I have things I have to entrust people with because they've been entrusted to me. And so when we come to say, who can we entrust with this responsibility? Who can we entrust with this ministry? Who can we entrust with this task? It's always who's available. And I'm simply here to tell you that God is looking for available people. How do I say it? Let me say it this way. The miraculous will always flow through available resources. God asked Moses, what is that in your hand? Elisha the prophet asked the widow who was about to lose her two sons in 2 Kings, what do you have in your house? When feeding the 5,000 in the gospel of Mark, Jesus asked his disciples, how many loaves do you have? In every single one of these instances, God was simply asking, what do you have available? what do you have at your disposal well pastor i just got a few little things and and ultimately it's just me god says great i'll take it i'll anoint it i'll bless it and i'll use it for my honor and glory and the more minimal it is and the simpler it is the better because then everybody know it wasn't you it was god everybody will know she could have never have done it he could have never have done it they could have never accomplished it and god will get all the honor and god will get all the glory i ask you this morning is there something that's available? Does somebody have gifts that are available? Does somebody have time that is available? Does somebody have talents that are available? There was nothing complicated about these resources. Not only were the resources minimal, but the request was minimal. It wasn't a complicated command. I do understand that sometimes God asks people to do difficult things. I understand that. I've been in this all my life. I know that there are moments that God will ask people to do difficult things. We see it in the Bible. God asked one man Noah to build an ark. That's a challenging task. God asked Abraham to offer up his only son on Mount Moriah. I know that's a great request. God asked Moses to deliver almost 2 million Israelites From Egypt, I understand that's a big ask. But let's be honest today. Rarely does God ask us to do something difficult. Let's just get through the weeds here today. I'm not talking to a bunch of Noahs today. There are some of us that God has asked us to do some great things. But if I look at my Christian life and I look at the Christian life through the lens of Scripture, Rarely does God ask us to do something truly difficult. You see, it did not require smart, talented, organized, impressive people. Jesus just needed servants that could follow simple orders. And I'm not trying to dumb this down, but, but I think we think this stuff is way up here, but it's really simple. Simple. God just needs today, in 2023, simple servants that can follow simple orders. You want to say amen, but it's the truth. This thing is not complicated. It's not as hard as we've made it. He just needs servants that will follow simple orders. There was a need, and Jesus said, I'm going to work a miracle right now. Guys, fill those water pots with water. He didn't say go to a far city, rent a ship, and go get the cleanest and the best water. It'll take you about three months and find a way to, with, uh, to bring that water here. He just said get some water, fill these water pots. And no doubt they had done this task before, many times. And because they were servants, their job at this event was to serve. They didn't debate it. They didn't try to understand it. They didn't argue with each other about who was going to do it. They didn't make excuses. And this is where we complicate simple things. God says, obey me. We are saying, well, in what aspect? In obedience? God says, follow me. Well, how do I do that? Following him. God says love me well how am I supposed to love you he even says in his word with all your heart with all your soul with all your mind with all your don't complicate this thing my dear brother and my dear sister when God asks us to do something that's what he's asking us to do it's not up for debate we don't have to try to process everything we don't need to argue about it we don't need to make excuses we just need to do what God is asking us to do And then Mary, the mother of Jesus, who knew that he was the Messiah, who knew he was one that the prophets had prophesied, she looks at the servants and she tells them this, whatever he asks you to do, do it what did she mean she was saying don't ask any questions don't debate it don't play it over and over in your head because the one that's asking you to do it is the one that's going to work the miracle and if he says it and you do it the miracle will happen i'm come to tell somebody god's not asking you to do something difficult he's not asking you to do something hard just do it do what he's asking you to do obey without reservations don't make excuses just do the thing that god's been asking you to do Let me get back to my message. Can I tell you that most of what God asks us to do are simple things? It's the little things that we can't seem to get right. Read your Bible. Oh, it's too hard. Really? Pray. Oh, pastor, you're asking for a hard thing. Really? We're not talking about building arcs. And freeing two million people. God's asking us. Get in my word. And I'll speak to you. I'll give you the answers for your questions. I'll put direction and hope inside of you. Pray. Seek my face and I'll talk to you. And you'll be strengthened and you'll be encouraged. And you'll see your problems from a different perspective. Go to church. But that's so hard, pastor. (laughs) To leave my Air-conditioned house to get into my air-conditioned car. Stop for my Starbucks and then get to the air-conditioned church. It's so hard, Pastor. It's so hard. It's like my kids pick up your shoes, but Daddy, oh, it's so hard. Get your laundry and put it in the laundry. But, Dad, it's so hard. That's when I see some of us come into church like, I'm here, Pastor, it's so hard. (laughs) Tomorrow, go sit down at your boss's desk or your manager, whoever you report to, and tell them, I'm here, but it's so hard. And I'm sorry, but I just got the spirit inside of me as I've been praying for you and praying for this. God is not asking us to do hard things. Read your Bible. Pray. Go to church. Worship. Witness to the lost. Live right. Love people. Be nice. Come on, look at somebody. Be nice. It's not that hard. If you got the Holy Ghost, it shouldn't be hard. If you're reading your Bible, it shouldn't be hard. If you're, well, if you're loving Jesus, it's not hard to love people. These things are not that hard. Fill the water pots with water. I'll say it again, fill the water pots with water. It's not that hard. We just got to obey. We just got to do what he's asking us to do. And the power will flow and the miracle will flow. Somebody say, fill the water pots. Look back at that person and tell them it's not that hard. You know, I've read, Pastor Adam, I've read this story over and over. And like the Holy Ghost grabbed the scriptures and just slapped me across the face. (laughs) And teachers and preachers know what I'm talking about. You say, how can I read this and not see that what Jesus was asking them to do was simple, fill the water pots. I'll do the miracle. Just fill the water pots. I'll change people. Just fill the water pots. I'll save marriages. Just fill the water pots. I'll fill this church with people. But God says, just feel the water. We'll reach the city of Phoenix if PFAC can simply just feel the water pots. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost. Could you throw up your hands just for a second and say, God, I want to fill the water pots in my life. There's some simple things that you're asking me to do. There's some simple things, God, that you've entrusted us through your word. We've complicated it. We've made it so difficult. God, help me to feel the water pots in my life. Oh, God, I feel the Holy Ghost. Not only was their obligation minimal, but the second thing, their obedience was maximized. And this is what I love about these servants. They were up to the brim kind of people. I love when I go to a restaurant and I I drink a lot of soda and a lot of water, whatever beverage is there. It's a Mexican restaurant, a lot of horchata. (laughs) One of the terrible things is, is when you get a refill and they don't fill it up. It's like, uh, there's some more room in that cup there, sir. (laughs) Maybe I'm the only one, pray for your pastor because I need Jesus (laughs) more than some of you all do, obviously. But I'm like, uh, ma'am, there's some more room there for some more horchata, please. I need some more Cork Zero in this cup, please. But these guys, there's no names. That's why I love it. I love this story because there's no names. They're just servants. But they're up to the brim servants. They're not dragging their feet. They're not like, do I have to? They're up to the brim kind of people. They're excited. They're motivated. And the Bible says, That they filled these water pots up to the brim. So that tells me that they were up to the brim in their service. And they were up to the brim in their obedience. Jesus gave them an order in verse number 7. He says, fill the water pots with water. They didn't ask questions. Well, why? This doesn't make any sense. Do I have to do it? Does it really matter if it's water? I mean, can't you just make, I mean, you're going to make wine up here, make water up here. They didn't cut corners. They didn't try to do as little as possible, minimum requirements. We're in a time where everybody wants to do the minimum. I mean, there are some of us at work, but this is not just spiritual things. This is an attitude that we have. It's 4.59 and we're right there ready to just five, four, three, two, all right, I'll see you guys on Monday. Because we think that we got to be nice just here and we got to be good workers here, but when you have the spirit of Jesus, you take it everywhere. We shouldn't be minimum in our service to God and we shouldn't be minimum in our service to anybody else. Even at home with our spouses and with our children, we should go the extra mile. With everybody that we come across, we should do the minimum. So pastor, what do I have to do to get into heaven? That's a minimum mentality. Okay, so if I give... 10%, 10% he's gonna bless me. And so right down to the last dollar. Okay, there it is. So if I come to church at 10, then I can leave. That's how some of us are. We're at 11.59 We're like this. All right, church. God bless you. And I can hear the car peeling out. How you're already at, on baseline road at, at noon, I don't know, but it just happens. Just minimum, just minimum. And you know what I've learned as a pastor? I mean, I've only been doing this for a year and a half, but I've learned that if you're minimum here, you're minimum everywhere else. And what concerns me is, as men, if you're minimum with God, you're minimum with your spouse. I just gotta do what I, be- I just gotta get by. Just keep this marriage together. I mean, these are my kids. I gotta take care of them. So that's what I'm gonna do, and that's it. Minimum. I married this guy, you know, I probably shouldn't, but I'm married, so well. At least he hasn't learned, she should be happy. I lost some of you right there, that's okay. i start want to start interviewing some of you today. Let me see how, how right on the Holy Ghost. It's not, it's not your pastor talking, it's the Holy Ghost. Because, see, a minimum mentality is a mentality that I take everywhere. I do the minimum. Minimum. Just don't ask for anything else, Pastor, because, you know, this is all I got. I'm a busy person, but that's probably how we are with everybody. But the sad thing is, is that's how we are with God. But not these servants. No, no, no. They didn't try to trick or deceive Jesus. Like, oh, Jesus, I, I, I mean, we're really filling it up. I mean, just we really are. They didn't just try to stand around and look busy. They didn't try to get noticed or get credit for filling them. Because there's some folks that will only do it if they get the credit. But serving, majority of the times, is behind the scenes where nobody sees. And the one that gets the credit is the Lord Jesus Christ. They didn't express their deep desire to do it, but then explain why they couldn't. Jesus, I want to fill the water pots. I really do. But I can't. No, no. They just did what they were told to do. And they did it as much as it could be done. The Bible is clear when it says in verse number 7, And they filled them up to the brim. I love it. Because Jesus didn't define fool to them, well, you, you gotta, you gotta get this he did not define full he said fill the water pots and because these were up to the brim kind of people, I can imagine they're pouring the last few ounces it's about to go over, he said fill it so let's fill it until there's no more room let's fill it as much as we can let's fill it until it starts to overflow that's the spirit that every believer should have, not halfway, not almost not just a little bit, not this is good enough, but let's go to the brim, let's go to the brim with the our worship let's go to the brim with our praise let's go to the brim with our giving let's go to the brim with I wish I had somebody here that said pastor I'll go to the brim I know Jesus didn't ask me to but he's been so good to me I'll go to the brim in my sacrifice I'll go to the brim in my ministry I'll go to the brim in my devotion. Oh God, help PFAC to be one of those kind of churches that we take everything to the brim. We're not lollygagging. We're not dragging our feet. Jesus deserves the very best. And if he's asking us to feel it, we feel it to the brim. God, I feel the Holy Ghost. This tells us a lot about these guys. When I read that a few weeks ago, I just, man, I almost got up and started shouting because he said, feel, and they determined, "Full." God Almighty, I wish you could see what I see in the Holy Ghost today. Jesus says, I'll fill you with the Holy Ghost, but who determines how full we are? Oh, you're not, you didn't catch it. You didn't catch it. Let's, let's rewind the tape. He says, I'll fill you with my spirit. But who determines if it goes to the brim? God, I feel the Holy Ghost. I'll put my spirit inside of you. I'll put energy and power, dynamic power inside of you. But who determines how full we are? We do. As much as we take of that spirit, as much as we allow ourselves to be filled. And I determined a long time ago, I want to be to the brim. will struggle let me tell let me help somebody let me save you a lot of struggles and a lot of heartache you will struggle in your life if you don't live to the brim you will make excuses you will complain you'll even get mad at the church if you don't live to the brim because when you're at the brim how you see is jesus and more jesus I don't care what anybody else is doing, I'm at the brim. I don't care what anybody else says, I'm at the brim. I don't care what other churches are doing, I'm at the brim. This shows us a lot about their heart. They weren't prone to taking shortcuts. They did what they were told to do, and they did it to the absolute maximum capacity. I love that attitude. They said, we'll do it, Jesus. And you don't have to worry about a thing. We'll take care of it, Jesus. He never said, fill it halfway, guys. He said, fill it. Fill the water pots. And they said, we're going to go all the way to the top. And I believe Jesus wants to do some amazing things in our lives in this hour. But how far we go and how high we go is up to us. And I tell you by the Holy Ghost. As your pastor, I want us to be a church that's up to the brim. I want to live that way. I want I want your boss and your co workers and your neighbors and your loved ones and your friends to see that in your life and my life that we're up to the brim. This is complete and total obedience to God. The miraculous hear me does not flow only through availability but it also flows through obedience. There are times that we don't see the power of God manifested in our lives simply because we won't do what he says. There's an example in our Bible of what happened when someone tried to cut corners and not obey Jesus' specific instructions. The Gospel of Luke chapter 5 verses 5 through 7 says, But Simon answered and said to him, Master, We have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. Jesus said, let down your nets for a catch. He told them, the nets that you lay down, I will fill. How many nets you lay down is up to you. Peter is a smart fisherman. His response to Jesus lets us know that he's done this before, so more than likely he had more than one net in his boat. There was two sides to that boat, and so there was at least two nets, possibly more. Jesus said, "I'll fill the nets. How many you determine." Peter's like, I'm tired, you know. I I work a lot, Jesus. I know you don't know that. I work overtime, you know. My company relies on me. I got kids, you know, that's hard. And so I'm going to let down one net. And Jesus said, Because I promised to fill the net, I'll fill it. And the Bible says that it began to break. But what if Peter would have let down 10 nets? What if he would have signaled his partners beforehand? Because they were already there. Hey, guys, Jesus is telling us that if we let down our nets, he'll fill every one. Call everybody you can. We're going to do it together on one, on two, and on three. And he's going to fill every one of these nets. But he was lazy. He wasn't up to the brim at this particular point in his life. And so he did the minimum. He let down one net and the net began to break that he had to call his partners and they filled both boats till they were overflowing. Jesus said nets and he did nets. My concern for PFAC is that Jesus is telling us nets, and so that means we got to throw out as many nets as we can. We got to use every method at our disposal to reach people because He's going to fill every one of them with the Holy Ghost. He's going to save every one of them. We're not going to do the minimum, we're not going to survive just minimally. We're going to do above and beyond. I'm throwing out more nets. I'll throw out one today, and I'll throw I want tomorrow because he's promised to fill them yeah. up to the brim literally meant that they could not do anything more there was no more to be done when we're up to the brim we have done everything that Jesus has asked us to do and so you're not up to the brim that means keep going. There's still more souls to be won. There's still more work to be done. There's still more lives to impact. There's still more ways to serve. We're not up to the brim, PFAC. So that means we're not done. There's some folks that act like they're up to the brim. but When you get by and you look inside, there's nothing in there. Don't whistle too hard because you'll hear a whirling like an empty wheelbarrow. Pastor, I can't. You know, I'm just so busy. I just got so many things going on. It's time to get up to the brim. And I know this is challenging. But understand something. This is something I'm challenging myself with. I want to be an up-to-the-brim pastor. I want to be an up-to-the-brim husband. I want to be an up-to-the-brim father. I want to be an up to the brim Christian. And I invite you to be a part of this as well. Because when you live up to the brim, everything changes. Let me get ready to close. Not only was their, was their obligation minimal, but their obedience was maximized. Thirdly, now their outcome was miraculous. We now see the discovery of the miracle. Go back with me to John chapter 2 and verse number 8. And he said to them, This is Jesus speaking. Draw some out now and take it to the master of the feast. And they took it. Again, he told them, Fill the water pots. They filled them to the brim. They could have very easily have walked away and said, I'm done. Don't ask me for anything else. I'm done. Nope, they stuck around. And the master said, Get some of that water and serve it to the governor of the the feast. And the Bible says, And they took it. Imagine their surprise that when they drew out wine instead of dirty water. Because I've said this before and I'll say this again these water pots of stone, according to John 2, were for cleansing. These were like water fountains in those days. People had been walking there to get to that wedding. They had been riding their wagons to get there, but they couldn't show up to the wedding dirty, so they'd take their sandals off and they'd whirl them in that little thing and put them back on. They'd get some water, splash their face, get some of that dirt and some of that sweat off their face, and they would walk into the event. They'd walk into the wedding. It was that kind of water. And so however much water was in there, Jesus said, fill it up. And they filled it. And so I can imagine, you know, if one of those servants was like like me, would have put that cup and go, oh, Jesus. That doesn't look like ice. But they took it. And imagine that when they scooped it out, And they came out of that water pot. It was no longer dirty water. It was no longer regular water. It was wine. There's nothing greater, can I tell you, than watching God firsthand do the impossible. These servants were eyewitnesses to this miracle. Can I tell you in the Holy Ghost, God is ready to do the miraculous in the lives of his people. And all he needs is people that will believe, that will act, and that will obey his instructions. And you too can be an eyewitness of God's miraculous power. because these servants obeyed. They not only participated in the miracle they had a front row seat And I'm talking to BFAC here today. Church, we're going to sit at the very front row of what God is doing in this last hour. And we're going to be eyewitnesses on how he's going to restore marriages. How he's going to heal families. How he's going to deliver alcoholics and drug addicts. How he's going to save people from all walks of life. We're going to sit at the front row on our tiptoes expecting God to do it. But I love this me verse number nine of John two and when the master of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine and did not know where it came from but watch this but the servants who had drawn the water knew the servants knew how did they know they were at the front row they saw the dirty water they filled the bottle pots and they saw them turned into wine Jesus, his first miracle, it was his first miracle, and nobody knew it was a miracle except for the servants. Everybody started drinking wine. They had no idea where it came from, but the servants knew. A miracle had happened, and nobody else knew about it except the servants. The servants saw it. The servants experienced it the servants felt the emotion the servants walked through this miraculous process they knew what was going on and can I just show a quick word into everybody here that serves and calls themselves servants when the devil comes to tempt you to quit serving you remind him of the hidden joys that come from serving Jesus what are they? servants always have a front row seat to all that God does I'll say that again servants always have a front row seat to the miraculous power of god so don't get tired of serving don't get tired of giving don't get tired of being faithful you're going to be the first one to see it you're going to be the first one to taste it you're going to be the first one to experience it because servants always have a front row seat And I thank God that there are many of us in this room. We've had a front row seat up until this point. But I'm calling some folks. There's still more room. Squeeze on the front row with us in the Holy Ghost. Because God's getting ready to do some miraculous things that only the servants will know. Those that are not serving don't know what they're missing. Everybody else drank the wine and said, this is good wine. Yeah, it's nice. I've had better. I'm convinced that there's some folks, thankfully they didn't come to church today, but there's some folks that are so negative and toxic that if they get to heaven, I say if, it's a big if, if they get to heaven, they're going to say, these drinks aren't that gold, Heaven's really not that big. You know anybody like like that? They can always find something wrong. But while everybody's drinking the wine, the servants are going, we know where it came from. If those servants were anything like me, I'd been behind them water pots going, why are you shouting? Because this was dirty water and now it's wine. You didn't see it because you weren't serving. You didn't see it because you weren't there, but I was there. So I'm going to rejoice in the miracle. I'm talking to somebody that wants to rejoice because we're getting ready to see miracles that we've never seen before. Signs and wonders. And only the servants are going to see it. God, would you lift your hands to heaven right now? I feel the anointing of the Holy Ghost. There's some things that are going to happen and the servants are going to be the eyewitnesses. why are you shouting because you weren't there when i saw jesus restore that person you see them now but you don't see them like they used to be why do you shout pastor because you weren't there when i saw that family struggling and god brought them out you weren't there when there was nothing and now there's more that's why i rejoice because i saw it happen. That's why everyone stand, I'm done. and that's why some folks won't shout because they weren't there. And that's why some folks will just turn their head on a Sunday morning at 10 and some of us shout because we were here when nobody was here. I preached on Sunday mornings in this English service. When we had almost the same amount of people on the platform that we did in the pews. Oh, and holiday weekends, forget it. And my big old voice would just bounce off all the walls, the ceilings, up and down. And so I rejoice because I was there. And many of you, I rejoice for you because I was there when the devil hit you with his best shot and even you thought it was over but look at what the Lord has done for you so I shout for you because I was there so don't feel bad about your shout. Don't feel bad about your worship. Don't feel bad about them tears. Don't feel bad about the way you praise God. We weren't there, but you were. When Jesus turned your life from water to water. I'm done. Give me that last quote, please. I'll finish with this. Here's the word that I got to give you before I go. The last word, please. The last quote. Some miracles are reserved only for the servants. Some miracles are only reserved for the servants. There are some things that God is going to do in this last hour that not everybody's going to see. There are some miracles that are going to happen in the next 12 to 24 months that some are not going to see because they're not serving. They're not sitting in the front row, spiritually speaking. They're not, they refused to go to the maximum and they just want to do the minimum. Unfortunately, those folks aren't going to see. But the ones that are serving, the ones that are giving, the ones that are going up to the brim and their devotion to God are going to be the first ones to see going to be the first ones to taste it. It's going to hit your house first. It's going to hit your marriage first. It's going to hit your finances first. And so you know what? I made up in my mind a long time ago. I'm going to sit on the front row. I'm not going to do the minimum. I'm going to do the maximum. And so here's my word. I had a few more things to say, but I'm done. Here's, here's, Here's the word of the Lord for us today. We need to be a church that's full up to the brim. I imagine in my time of prayer in my time of dreaming because I'm a dreamer I dream about a church where everybody is up to the brim. Why? Because everybody can be up to the brim. I'm not talking that this is just for a handful. No, 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 no. Unfortunately, church history shows that it's always been a handful. But I believe that we can be a church full of up-to-the-brim believers. Up-to-the-brim in our prayer life. Up-to-the-brim in our giving. Up-to-the-brim in our witnessing. Up-to-the-brim in our worship. And up-to-the-brim in our area of ministry. I want to be a believer. That's up to